0: The much better question is not why is there so much hype behind Solana right now, it's that how were people this asleep at the wheel for so long?
1: What's up everybody, welcome to another episode of Lightspeed. Today you have just me and Mert, it's one of our roundups. So uh, Mert, how are you doing this morning?
0: Good, got the breakpoint flu, Um, so trying to recover from that, sound a little like the Grinch but recovering
1: yeah I feel like most people survived that conference which is unusual because every single conference like a sickness just gets spread around but um you know what what hasn't caught in the contagion is the prices that's why I have my rally cap (laughs) rally cap on today (laughs) all of crypto is just pumping I think part of it obviously Solana has caught a narrative over the last two weeks but also there was a BlackRock announced their first step in getting an ETF approval for ETH um so that might be part of it as well I don't know what do you think
0: oh man you know, I am very bad with price stuff and, and token prices and, and and whatnot, but I do think I did see something on Twitter the other day, which was along the lines of, can someone tell me why Solana is pumping because I don't really see a lot of TVL? And I think the much better question is not why is there so much hype behind Solana right now? It's that how were people this asleep at the wheel for so long Mm. is the way i see it because the fundamentals haven't really changed all that much what has changed maybe is the information asymmetry to my estimation and crypto is full of narrative wars unfortunately and and i think that is maybe becoming a bit less skewed towards evm and more towards svm now And I think that's mostly why. And obviously, it's not just Solana. There's a general rally around crypto, I would say. And I don't like commenting on macro because I frankly think it's astrology. But, you know, uh, other people are much better at doing that than me. But I think – and the other thing I'll comment on there just while I'm at it is looking at TVL to assess the price of a – native coin. (laughs) feels very silly to me. And I mean, TVL is an okay metric to use in some cases, but as Tushar said in one of our last episodes, it's also pretty gameable and misleading metric. And so I think what's happened that that is causing this is mostly narrative driven in, in the sense that not that the narrative around Salon has changed. It's just that the truth has been revealed and Maybe the noise has been dissipated a little bit, especially after Breakpoint where you saw so many people with so much energy building a lot of cool things and integrations like Visa and even Ruin was on stage with Austin, right? Talking about MakerDAO's future, et cetera. So I think that conference woke up a lot of people.
1: Completely agree. I think the other thing on TVL, like I do think it's an interesting metric, and the more metrics you have, sometimes the better. But uh, what is interesting is that it's looking at today and in the past when we're looking at this data. And crypto as an industry is still a startup. And when you talk about Ethereum, for example, at one point they'll talk about TVL and they'll talk about on-chain metrics. But then at the other side of this, they'll talk about how L2s, you know, will no longer have training wheels. And it's like, well, that's in the future. That doesn't exist today. So it's it's like you're kind of finding a way to reason through your own protocol by looking at the past and the future. But if you look at another ecosystem like Solana, it's only Mm -hmm. like what's happening today. It's not Mm -hmm. what's coming in the future. Um,
0: I'll cut you off very quickly there um, because I think you make a really good point and it's something I comment on pretty frequently which is inconsistent time horizons when doing comparisons. So people will compare Ethereum's X to Solana's Y, but then they won't normalize for the time period, which is a colossal mistake if you actually care about fundamentals Right? People talk about, well, Solana's tokenomics are not great or something. It's like, okay, Ethereum didn't have one five five nine for six, seven years until its existence, right? I mean, that's a huge time horizon. And Solana has been around for a third, maybe a four, one fourth of the time that Ethereum has been around for. And another thing that is really annoying is people will say something like, well, it's okay that Ethereum L2s are centralized right now because they have a full path of decentralization and censorship resistance. And it's like, okay, so why can't you apply the exact same logic to Solana, which also will with hardware, which is a much more reliable source of improvements in the just history of technology? Why don't you apply the same logic to Solana uh, and and arrive at the same results? And I think that like intellectually honest people, like a John Charbonneau, for example. We'll we'll call that out and say like, look, they both have the same end game. But then the problem is most of the discourse on crypto Twitter isn't necessarily represented by intellectually honest people. And, And so, you know, if there's one thing to take away from this episode, just as we're five minutes into it, I would say the inconsistent time horizon when comparing different ecosystems is like one of the most common fallacies I've seen that I think is just total bullshit anyway
1: (laughs) that's all we need let's shut off the podcast that's Quick break to tell you about an upcoming event I promise you don't want to miss. It's BlockWorks' biggest and best institutional conference called Das London. It's a two-day event happening in London this March where we're going to have over 700 institutions, 130 speakers, and a couple thousand of us all under one roof. Crypto is in a position for the first time to actually onboard these institutions and they're showing up. We have companies from BlackRock to Visa launching real products in the space. We have the real-world asset narrative taking off. We have things like payments that have been exponentially growing. And then we have things like Deepin happening in the Solana ecosystem. There's a ton of capital right now in this institutional space is going to be coming on chain. It's going to completely change the industry. Whether you are an institution or you're a retail user, or you just want to learn more about what's going on in the space, this conference is for you. You're going to be able to meet some of the best and smartest people in the space. The speaker lineup is absolutely incredible, and you'll get to hang out with me. But the best part is you actually get 20% off your ticket if you use Lightspeed 20 when checking out. That's Lightspeed 20. I put a link in the show notes. Um, I recommend buying this today because one, you'll forget about it. Two, these ticket prices go up every single month. So anyways, I hope to see you there. Now, let's get back to the show. I think related to that, we will talk about Bangladesh a little bit. I had a conversation yesterday with David Hoffman and some people on, on Twitter. And I was talking about this, the tension that's now shifted over to Solana, to me is really pointed out this whole, like, you know, there's the Ethereum aligned L2s. Well, right now they might be all cooperating together and kumbaya, but in the future to me, like it is going to be a massive competition that's going to come out. Mm-hmm. And in the long run, I see it as really a zero sum game. And David responded to this and he said, I have an opposing L2 thesis and like one L2 winning is all the L2s winning. Um, which sure, I, I mean, I think there's maybe some truth to that, but I generally think things are a power law and there's obviously huge benefits not only being on the same roll-up or as we would say, like L1, such as Solana, but also using the same framework. You see that with like Optimism, mm-hmm. Superchain and uh, Arbitrum and they have Arbitrum 1, but now everyone's trying to develop a general framework so that they can have like shared sequencers, etc. And somebody commented and they're like, yeah, but what about all the like fragmentation that you have with L2s? And David responded with you know something that's really well thought out, and he's like, yes, that is a problem today, but in the future we'll have shared sequencing, block space standardization, intense based transaction designs, and UI/UX front-end abstractions, and like it all does sound amazing. But just to your point, that's like this massive roadmap that is so unclear at the moment. Like shared sequencers took off as a narrative like six months ago, and people are like, oh shit, how's this actually going to work? Um, Solana's roadmap to me, I'm not saying it's it's definitely not easy but it's actually much more straightforward. And I think that's one reason why builders like to come to Solana. They're like, it already scales today. I know you said things haven't changed that much for Solana. Like the technology has been there. It's just the narrative and maybe the content in the space. For example, Mert, you stepping up and also Lightspeed and there's other podcasts that have come. But like in 2022, there were huge improvements with priority fees. Then you had isolated fee markets and then you had like quick and network stability. So in that sense, things did change, but Solana also proved it could execute. So yeah, I'm just curious to see what you think about that.
0: Mm-hmm. So there's a few things there I want to comment on. W- one is, so on the on the roadmap piece, so roadmaps are a very interesting. The word roadmap is a very interesting word in 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 the context of engineers versus product managers in Web two, and it's especially the case in crypto where it's engineers versus bag holders, right? And it's engineering timelines and roadmaps never get met. In fact, if you were able to reliably meet your engineering timelines and roadmaps, you would be the greatest company to ever existed, or you're just not building anything impressive. And we already saw this with Ethereum's roadmap shipping or changing from execution sharding completely away from that unto, unto this new L2 thesis. And, and so... While it's all good and fun to say, well, it will get there in the future, and it probably will. The timelines and the roadblocks that you'll uncover when when executing that roadmap are going to be very non-linear. And in fact, if you look at some of my earlier podcasts, where not on Lightspeed, but I was on some other podcasts, one of my fundamental theses for why I chose to build on Solana instead of Ethereum was exactly that, and 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 it goes. Sp- like this, the amount of conditionals that Ethereum requires to successfully reach the end game is much higher than the amount of conditionals required by Solana. And if each conditional has a probability of less than 100%, right? If you multiply those conditionals, right, let's say 85% times 95% times 75%, you're multiplying by fractions. And so the overall probability of success when multiplied together, reaches zero slowly over time. The more conditionals you add, the less likelihood you have at uh, uh, success. And that's that was my core thesis. And while I do think they will still both get there, I think one of the things that people don't necessarily talk about too much is, I mean, first of all, Solana wouldn't exist without Ethereum. Um, the other way of looking at that is that solana has learned a lot from the mistakes of ethereum and so it has l- much less tech debt and much more hindsight and so they they are able to start with a clean slate and and so that that is something that people overlook but it the, in in tech the first attempt at something is rarely kind of the one that ends up enduring so that's that's my first comment second comment is on the l2 competition thing So, yeah, there's some interesting theses around this. And, you know, me and you have both asked a bunch of our guests, how do you think this plays out? Is it a bunch of L2s or is it one or two or three L2s dominating everything? And I I think you can already see the competition playing out. I think most of these L2 teams don't – I think – they don't really like each other that much, if I'm being completely honest. I think – and people don't like talking about this because everybody likes to pretend kumbaya and world peace. But it is absolutely the case they don't like each other. In fact, I – maybe we can insert the the little cat-causing mischief meme uh, uh, in, in the show notes. But I, I remember – I think David actually commented on on something about base and optimism. And I commented something like, "Hmm, I wonder why Base or why Coinbase didn't go with something like an Arbitrum or a Polygon instead of Optimism, because those two are technically, technologically farther along than, Opti- than Optimism." And somebody else commented about the lack of op- open source licenses or something for for those chains. And then the guys from Arbitrum came in and said, "You know, that's not true at all." And, and you can kind of see kind of the testiness and, and people kind of going back and forth on that. So I think there's going to be a lot of competition there. And it's, I mean, competition is good, obviously, yeah. but let's not pretend it's not going to exist. And it's going to also probably cause a lot of confusion and noise to my estimation. And, and the great thing about Solana and some of these alt ones is they're just meaningfully distinguished from that, right? You don't have to worry about, these weird design choices that people are making, like super niche ones, you just build on a general L1 that scales perfectly fine. And I think that's social complexity, right? So there's liquidity fragmentation in terms of actual DeFi, but there's also the social fragmentation and and the social complexity. And I don't think that's also being taken into account that much.
1: I I think the narrative simplicity is part of this as well. Like obviously tech's a big deal, but crypto is very social. Like the base layer is all social and like being able to have something like bankless covered ethereum but now they're gonna have like 10 to 100 to a 1, thousand whatever it is, rollups to cover as well and like you just lose that concentrated narrative behind like one thing and I think that's really powerful to have. Um, like you said, competition's really good. I think that's actually going to make it much more innovative for L2s. But to me, like maybe that's good for Ethereum in the long term, like ETH as an asset. Like to me, it's the like commoditized, the complement thing. Like the more commoditized the L2s are, maybe the more like negotiation power essentially that Ethereum itself has, um, which is great for Ethereum. It's not really great for the L2s. Uh, I'm curious. It, it was funny today. So uh, Bankless had a podcast. It was actually titled... Solana versus Ethereum and Mert. One of the things they said is that Mert and his reply guy army should not dictate what is said on Bankless. So I'm curious what you thought about that. <laughs>
0: You mentioned, sure hold on, I, I got to
1: throw something else in there. They mentioned at the beginning too, they're talking about, you're not actually named here, but David was saying, you know, I, I really, one, like uh, love Bankless and David and Ryan, they're actually the reason that I'm in crypto. David went to the Breakpoint conference and one thing he said is that he noticed what was different from back in the day when you had the Bitcoin, the Ethereum community going back and forth or at the Ethereum conferences, they weren't calling out Bitcoin. But at Breakpoint, there were some people on the opening presentation giving jabs to Ethereum, which I know <laughs> he must have been talking about you because you came on stage and you said the reason you called an L3 is because now you have three problems. So you got called out multiple times in this podcast. So I just, I want to know how you feel about it.
0: Well, I am flattered. And I would say there's some truth to that. And of course, there's maybe some, some false information. Uh, I did take a jab at L3 specifically because I think they're a ridiculous concept. And I would actually say most people in Ethereum that are core developers probably agree with that. Yeah, I, you know, L3s are, I mean, come on. <laughs> and I talked about this in a podcast yesterday, I believe. I don't, I actually, I'm, so I'm a nerd. I, I like L2s in terms of a technological achievement to overcome the existing bottlenecks of Ethereum. So L2s, I think, are, are a cool approach, and they did nerd, nerd snipe me a little bit. And, in fact, in the past Lightspeed episodes, I've talked about how SVM roll-ups are going to be pretty awesome. And the thing I don't like about L2s is not the tech itself, but it's kind of the proponents of them talking as if L2s are our only lord savior to lead us to a better future. And L, L1 scaling is obsolete, and it's monolithic, and, and it's garbage, and only L2s can save us. That's what I don't like. I think, I think L2s will still be useful for things that don't require global state so maybe like a game i think that's fine and but you know i didn't i didn't take shots at ethereum i just uh, i think i i made a joke on on l3s because they were trying to there was a company that tried to achieve what solana did at the l1 layer with compression and this was in l3 i think by lens Um, that tried to get to that same cost efficiency and they couldn't do it. And it was like, come on guys. Like why are you using an L three for this? That's ridiculous. Social complexity and technical complexity and all this stuff. Just use the L one. Okay. So that was kind of my point. And I don't have full context on this and on what David said about, you know, Mertz reply guys. I, I don't know what that even means to be honest. They're Solana's reply guys. They're not, they're not my reply guys. And One thing I'll say is the reason I don't comment on on Bankless's stuff because I agree or disagree with their takes. I comment on their stuff because they say untrue stuff about Solana. And that's kind of my whole thing. Obviously, I don't do this perfectly. And sometimes I'll just troll and be salty and whatnot. That's, you know, I'm, I'm a human being at the end of the day. But the majority of my effort is, okay, so for example, Ryan talked about how the only thing that Alt-L1s have done is increase node requirements, right? He said that, he said those words, and that is insanely untrue. It, it could not be less true. There have been many Alt-L1s who have done nothing but increase hardware requirements, right, like a, like a Binance smart chain, and have not achieved anywhere near what Solana has achieved in terms of actual performance and, and developer community and whatnot. And so when, when they say completely false things, then it is completely unfair to the thousands of people working in this ecosystem every single day and putting in their resources, their time, sacrificing personal relationships, whatever it is to do their best to build the future of this network. And, why should I not speak out about somebody being unfair to those people? It's like, that's not going to happen. I'm going to speak out. And I do – I mean I do give them props for being good supports. I think – of course, it is it is Twitter. So like when I say stuff and people are like, oh, like he dunked on them, losers, whatever. So that's – I mean you kind of have to ignore those people. Uh, and that, th- those types of people exist on all sides, by the way. It's not a salon of specific phenomenon. I would say maybe solana has more reply guys than average because of how much solana gets hated on in general so it's kind of like a weird immune system that has developed but They've fundamentally a lot of
1: shit. like the Solana yeah. community that still here's you know the chew glass thing is like real and the ftx thing was real right it's like there's a little bit of ptsd and now you have something exciting going on in the community that people are starting to realize outside of that just core unit where people are like mm-hmm. okay there is something here and people are appreciating it and and, you know, the bankless guys have a big platform and you have a big platform. If, if it was just some random person on Twitter, like you don't need to reply to that. But I think one is just trying to make sure there's not that information asymmetry, because I think those guys are curious. And, and David knows quite a bit about Solana, but you obviously have so much insight on the space that like you need to step up and say something like Solana is obviously a much less fragile than it was. But coming off that FTX implosion, like people just didn't have the right narrative and people often still see this like legacy VC Solana chain, which Chris Berniski was just on a podcast and even talked about back when like FTX was involved in Solana, he didn't want to touch it. He's like, I even thought that there there was upside there, but it didn't really sit with me well. Like I didn't want to do it. And he's like, once that actually got worked through and I met Anatoly and some of the projects in the ecosystem, he's like, now it's where he spends most of his time, if not all of his time. So anyways, I just wanted to say that like, one, it's like you're helping with spreading information there. Also, it's just fun. Like, let's be honest, we need to have some fun on Twitter (laughs) too. So some of the back and forth is for fun.
0: Yeah, I think... I mean, I, I used to have fun. I wouldn't even say I have fun anymore. It's just so tiresome, but <laughs> no <fun>. I, I, <laughs> I, I think the fundamental prop or thing that I'm trying to do is I think people just, I don't know, for whatever reason, I, I want to believe that people are honest about it and just, they just have false information, but saying things like the only thing Solana did was increase hardware requirements is just not true. And I'm not going to let that stand. And... You don't have to read it if you don't like. I mean, nobody's forcing you. It's totally opt-in. But I'm going to say my piece if you're going to say your piece. And we'll let kind of people reading decide who they think is right. And and I saw this in, in their most recent episode about Solana versus Ethereum. The, the, their lens on this is extremely macro-focused. And they talk about fundamentals in terms of maybe how it relates to markets but they, do, they completely ignore the actual technical aspects here. And and the reason is because they have to, right? It's because they don't actually know the technical fundamentals. And, and that's kind of one of my biggest issues with this entire space. It's not specifically bankless. And I think actually bankless is probably not even the worst when it comes to this. But the, here's the problem, right? The problem is in there, there have been a bunch of people who, who were early to crypto who maybe have a background in English or political science or philosophy, which are fine majors, man. Like, okay, fine. Th- those are f- fun things to study. But if if you have that background and then now you are speaking as if you have the domain knowledge of a distributed systems engineer and you are lecturing them on distributed systems architecture, there is something ridiculously off about that, right? And, and the problem is those people amassed followings because they were early and maybe got lucky, and some of them actually deserve it, and they got rich. And now they have other people looking up to them. They're like, wait a minute, I want to get rich too, so I will try to mimic these people's movements. And so now you kind of have the blind leading the blind, and so you kind of have this flywheel of misinformation about, you know, Solana outages or Solana hardware requirements or like, well, you can't run a Solana full node, but you know you should be able to run a full node on Ethereum on your uh, on your phone, and that's just not true. And you can see this in their most recent episode pretty well. They still have this huge misconception that there is actually a difference between Solana and Ethereum's endgame. The endgames are identical. You have a beefy machine or centralized, more centralized block production, and then you have Trustless verification done on lighter machines. Both Solana and Ethereum are going to need this. Both their roadmaps require this. It's just about which path you take to get there. And if you care to maximize the probability of success for the future of crypto, why wouldn't you want to exhaust all those paths, right? In fact, if you didn't, that'd be a tragedy. Because then what if you missed something that would have led to a much bigger crypto future? And so, anyways, that is to say the rant is about if you want to comment on technical systems, I would recommend having somewhat of a technical background. Admit that you don't know what you're talking about when people correct you instead of doubling down and saying, well, but TVL, you know. And and anyways, uh, yeah. that's my rant.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, no, I hear you on that. I don't, I don't think you meant that as like a big shot at at Bankless, um, in particular. But I hear what you're saying about like people that don't have a technical background talking about technical things. Obviously, like I have a finance background, so like I don't have a technical background either. Again, I think like David is trying to do this, and I think we'll see this over time. And I'm sure Ryan is too. But like I like to put things forward that are maybe slightly technical, but like said in the words of a normal person like me that most people can understand. Um, you're obviously really good at this. But then, if I have like Mert, you respond, and you're like, "That's not how it works." And then I need to look into that further and figure it out. I think that's kind of like the key important part. Is like you can put forward something. Like I had a tweet trying to describe how FireDancer could help with client diversity, right? Because one of the biggest questions at, at a breakpoint that I got asked is like, "What does FireDancer actually mean?" for like Solana's mm-hmm. client diversity. And this is people that aren't necessarily from Solana because like some people are like, well, if it's so much faster, everyone's gonna adopt Fire Dancer, it actually doesn't help with client diversity. And then you'll mm-hmm. have Anatoly and others come forward and it's like, well, you can run Fire Dancer and then you almost have like a sidecar where you run the, whether it's the Solana client or some other, let's just say Jito, as almost like a backup that only does mm-hmm. like verification validity of the blocks. And that, mm-hmm. kind of, that does get complicated. And like, I don't understand all the nuances of that, but I still put it forward to kind of just help spread the message. And then yeah. my hope is people respond that are more technical with like you actually need to clean this part up so i think there is like benefits from people that aren't technical to put things forward and like bankless was huge for all of crypto like that's the only reason i started using a wallet on chain it's because they were kind of describing at a high level how to use this and some of the 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 technicalities behind it but uh yeah, yeah you just have to be open um to others and i think part of it as well is like if ethereum and solana didn't have a token the discussions would be very different um because one thing that David, for example, says is like his problem with Solana is he sees a big gap in the triple point asset thesis, which is like ETH is a commodity, like you use it for gas, to store value, you can use it for collateral, and it's also like a capital asset, like you can stake it and you actually earn yield. And he he points out that he sees a hole with Sol in that situation there. And like, look, it is fair that like right now Ethereum burns a lot of ETH, Sol does not, right? Like it has a high inflation rate. That's how most startups work. So I don't think it's really fair to say like this is how the ecosystem is today. It's not going to go anywhere in the future. Um,
0: I, I One thing I'll say is, to, to make it clear, because this might get taken out of context, this isn't specific to Bankless. Uh, it's, in fact, as I said, I think Bankless is relatively okay with this. And I've tweeted about this and how I think they're good sports. I think just crypto Twitter in general is kind of what I'm referring to here. Mm-hmm. And the problem isn't being in crypto without having a technical background. That's not the problem at all. You can absolutely have a basket weaving major and and be a great (laughs) crypto thinker. What I'm saying is if you don't have a technical background, it probably isn't the best idea to make conclusive Hmm. technical statements that are polarizing. Yeah. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Not that you can't be in crypto or you can't, you can't even, I mean, you can learn this stuff. It's not that hard to learn. And so just want to make that clear. You can just, you can, and I think you do a good job of this, where you you will ask genuinely inquisitive questions to understand what's happening and try to get to the truth of it, as opposed to just say things definitively that don't make sense just to say it, right? Which is mm-hmm. kind of the problem that CT has. Yeah. And so that's, anyway, just wanna make that clear.
1: Yeah, a little behind the scenes for everyone. Like if you do wanna catch someone's attention, like. about writing out a sentence and i put like i think solana is going to get adoption because x if you remove the words i think it hits a lot harder with everyone right you make a declarative sentence and people love that um so it's something that i do from time to time but that's why you have so much tribalism on twitter because people don't necessarily know what they're talking about but they remove that nuance that they're like i think this might be the case um and so like yeah you really have to be careful there i i also think there's just a Obviously throughout every ecosystem and in every piece of technology, not just crypto, there's trade-offs, right? There's trade-offs between using an Android or iOS. Like there's just always trade-offs depending on what you want. One thing that Bankless talks about and it's in their name is that you need to be bankless. And part of that is everyone should be able to run their own node, which I mean, I do think is like a very, it's a great thing to shoot for. But I also don't think that every ecosystem in crypto needs to be able to do that. And like you said, in the long run, solana and ethereum are going for light nodes where you can check data availability with data availability sampling and also verification probably with zk um but i personally am not in crypto or believe crypto will only be successful if you if you can run your own node and i don't think most people will choose to i think the point is like is there a network out there that you can point to and say this is not biased this is going to be neutral but like does everyone need to be able to run a node on their phone I don't think so. And I don't think anyone's really going to do it either. So I think that's just one part where I feel a little bit differently than Bankless is that you don't need to do that. And um, maybe you could say, what's the point of crypto? And it's like, well, I don't want to perform all these actions myself, but I do want to know that there's like a credibly neutral network out there because there's enough people with incentives to run a validator, to run a node, right? And I can trust that. But what do you think about that?
0: So I don't think all users need to be able to run a node. I think all users need to be able to verify what's happening on chain, which is not the same thing. So you can use cryptography as the name crypto would suggest to verify and and minimize. Instead of trusting humans, you trust cryptography. That's kind of the entire thesis of the space. And you can do that to verify what's happening. And you can maybe do this with light clients or maybe running a non-voting validator on Solana or there are some other things you can do like checking the bank hash and and streaming data but I won't get too technical but fundamentally the thing that gets overlooked the most I believe is incentives, which is to say you can make nodes incredibly easy to run full nodes and that's one side of the equation everybody knows this this is economics 101 supply and demand right there's always an equilibrium versus supply and in supply versus demand. You can't just optimize for supply and then completely ignore demand, right? That is not how you run a business. That is not how markets work. What Solana says is, okay, we're going to make it such that the network is so scalable and so performant that you can build a lot of great applications on top of it. and And some of those applications will require you to run nodes so that your business functions properly, right? For example, Circle, when they added USCC support on Solana, they need to be able to run their own nodes on Solana so they can detect if malicious activity is going on. They don't have to be profitable on the validator side for this, okay? Because they're already profitable through their stablecoin, through their business. And that's kind of what solana i mean it's not the only thing solana believes but it's certainly something solana believes more than other networks that in fact helios the the company i run is a perfect example we don't need to be profitable on the validator side because we can make money by running nodes in other ways it doesn't need to be the token itself so that's that's the demand side it's like okay why should people even want to run a node Okay, and then if they do want to run a node, can they run the node? That's maybe the supply side. And on Solana, it's not as easy to run a Solana node as it is to run an Ethereum node. That is obvious. Everybody knows this. That being said, it's also not like it's impossible. In fact, I tweeted this yesterday, that, and I was laptop shopping, and I saw that the new MacBook M3 has pretty close specs to what you need to run a Solana node. Which is crazy. It's 2023. So by the end of next year, you're going to be able to just buy MacBooks that can run Solana nodes, right? Mark,
1: real quick on that though, would, would bandwidth be an issue? Because I know that's one thing David mentioned. Like he was saying that you need to have fiber optics into your house.
0: Yeah. So the, and, and Tolly says this all the time, and Solana's entire design philosophy is maybe related around, um, to this, which is that bandwidth is the ultimate constraint. At the end of the day, that's what matters. And, and Kevin Bowers will tell you this as well. And people always talk about Moore's Law, which is kind of the, the computing power and in, in, in accessibility improving over time for hardware. But the much more consistent law so far has been something called Nielsen's Law. And I encourage you to look up what Nielsen's Law is, but it's basically that the bandwidth of high-end internet users kind of doubles kind of linearly over time. And so that is to say... Internet accessibility gets much better over time um, that, and it's even more consistent than hard work uh, uh, improvements. And so currently, I, and I did the math on this, I think there's a few hundred million people I believe that could have access to fiber optics. It's certainly not, it's, it's a subset of the, all the people who have access to the internet, of course. And, you know, areas like maybe South, Or middle Africa, or maybe like South South America, don't really have fiber optic access, but a lot of people do. And so that is gonna get better over time. And it's kind of the same argument with kind of like L2s, which is like, okay, I mean, first of all, nobody can run an L2 node right now because they're permissioned, but over time you'll be able to. And it's the kind of same argument with with Solana. The the bandwidth. I think within the next two to three years it's going to keep improving as this hardware. And then people will maybe start to realize, wait a minute, this, this hardware requirements and node requirements argument was just a short-term thing that we kind of don't really care about anymore. And then probably what will happen is like, okay, where are the applications that we need to take crypto to the next uh, stage? We, we were so focused on doing niche nerd battles that we forgot to make things people want and that's kind of my biggest concern honestly and anyway that's that's my that's my view on it
1: yeah you know with the the market kind of pumping again this week and with more activity going up not just in solana but across chains one thing you do see is also eth gas fees going up on the l1 and the l2 and obviously the l2 is not like crazy prices but for like micro transactions it's way too high and i think that's 100 the narrative you're going to see is that not having isolated fee markets on these L2s is gonna be a huge issue. And that's either gotta change or you're gonna only have specific applications there because otherwise, like right now, everyone wants to build on Arbitrum One, but like there's no isolated fee markets. It's gonna be a massive problem. And you're already seeing like inklings of that today. And so I'm calling that as uh, something that's gonna happen in 2024. My other one, which was a tweet I had, I said that an L2 or a rollup is gonna migrate from Ethereum to Solana. Um, I really mean like an app specific rollup. Like I don't think you're going to see Arbitrum one. You're not going to see come to Solana. But my bet is you'll definitely see some application. It might be an app specific rollup come over to Solana. Um, so those are my two. Those are my two predictions for 2024. Feeling pretty good about it.
0: Okay. Yeah. Th- those are hot takes. I think the L2. If it's an app specific L2, I could I could see it migrating to Solana as long as the high priests kind of allow it. And <laughs> But are you I the high
1: priest of Solana or
0: no? I hope not. I mean, I was just on a monad podcast yesterday talking about cosmos and, and monad and evm. And so uh, in fact, most of the avalanche and near people I get along with very well as well. So I'm not I'm not necessarily a Solana Maxi as I am I And mean, I'm obviously I'm a Solana Maxi in the sense that I like Solana more than any other network. But it's not the case that I think Solana is the only way you can do something or that it is, it is the only way you must do something. I think for certain things, it doesn't even really make sense to use Solana that much. And especially if you want to optimize for, like, full control of the vertical uh, stack of the all one just use Cosmos, right? Why not? Um, I think it's much harder. But if that's what you want, then as a salesperson, I'm going to say, well, you we need to find something that you need uh, that actually solves your problems. Um but yeah, your your predictions. I think I think those are those are hot ones. Um, we'll, we'll we'll see. Um, the the one thing I'll say is is with the app specific rollups maybe coming over to Solano or just another L1. I, I do hope that's the case because one of my biggest problems with the space, and I keep saying that, so it, it's very clear I have a lot of problems with the space, <laughs> and it, it is that. There's, I just don't feel a sense of urgency. I, I feel like sometimes there's just so many people that got rich who are just like, eh, like, we'll get there. We'll take over the world at, at some point. But let's execute this roadmap first. And it's like, I, I don't function that way. It, I think you need to have, like, an annoying sense of urgency. Like, okay, what's the state of crypto right now? Okay, well, the state of crypto right now is we don't have that many useful apps such that people who are outside of our bubble don't give a single shit about anything we do except for gambling on casino coins. That's just reality. And even in popular culture, people just think crypto is some way of facilitating terrorist transactions going on other wars. Like they actually think that. And and one of the reasons they think that is because we haven't given them a reason to say, here is something you can use that will actually affect you and, and solve a problem. Or here's like you know, we don't we don't have an Instagram. We don't have we don't have a banking app necessarily. We don't have anything that actually solves mass problems. I mean, it does for people around other geographies, for example. Uh, I think, especially those without good access to financial systems, but that's not going to be enough, in my view. And so, what we need to say is like, okay, we need to cultivate a sense of urgency and and say. We need to build shit that solves people's problems right now. Like, not tomorrow, like this second. Like, we need to get started. And the, the in the past, you couldn't do this that well, right? Because blockchains literally didn't scale. Just, just until like two and a half years ago, a, a very common criticism was like, you know, blockchains are super slow, inefficient databases, and you would have this fight between Web 2 and Web 3 people all the time. And now it's like, actually, now... I mean, they're still, comparatively speaking, obviously more inefficient than a centralized database, but now the scale is getting there and it's, the UX is getting there. And so now you can build products that people want and focus only on that. And I gave a talk about this at Breakpoint, right? I said, you can focus on the product side and do something like a drip house, like Vib is doing, and actually focus on that experience and The fact that we're still not doing this and chatting about weird infrastructure battles is, my God, it is bizarre. (laughs) Like, we need that sort of sense of urgency to just build shit people want because we're not going to have this window open forever, right? Anyways, uh, that's my third range of the episode so far, I believe.
1: Yeah, maybe we can talk about another thing or two from Breakpoint since we just got back last week. Um, I definitely notice compared to the different conferences I've been at, there's so much more focus on applications. And I think people probably talked about this on Twitter, but it's so true. Like if you go to another crypto conference, especially Ethereum, it's all about like L2 and scalability and shared sequencers. Like that's maybe talked about like 5% of the time at Solana's Breakpoint. And it's all mm-hmm. about these applications that are trying to build on top. So one, I just think that attracts a specific type of person and developer, which is maybe more likely to find Hopefully that breakthrough app, L2s are often focused on like recycling the Ethereum users on the L1 and trying to get them mm-hmm. to the L2. Whereas let's be honest, like Solana just doesn't have a whole lot of TVL. It hasn't had a whole lot of usage over the last year. That's obviously building up rapidly. Like even Jito and Jito Soul, it had a million Jito Soul staked like four months ago. And now it's over five and a half million. Like the, mm-hmm. everything's been going relatively exponential. But Solana's had to focus on new users, and it's had to focus on new developers, which I actually think is a huge plus. Because when you're doing that, because you're like, oh, I can't just borrow from the space of users I already have. We already kind of know what they like. We just need to make it like faster or cheaper. It's like, no, we actually need to find a new use case that's going to bring in people that aren't here today. Because we actually just don't have a big enough pie yet to actually choose from. So Mm -hmm. I think that's one reason Solana could be the place on top of all the tech to actually host this app or these apps, whatever they might be. Venek, we're, we're going to talk to them. You know, Their whole base case for Sol and Solana, which I think is like the Sol price is like $357 or something, which would be pretty great. But it's mm-hmm. their bet that Solana hosts the first app that has like 100 million users on it. And they share a lot of these same thoughts that we do um, on just how Solana attracts a specific type of user, developer, and also is able to support that scale like today, which means mm-hmm. developers don't have to worry about like, okay, how do I actually focus on infrastructure? Even restaking to me, restaking is great um right but that's just another way to think about infrastructure it's like why do you have restaking so that you can then have security for infrastructure and that's so much of the talk in ethereum land like i want to get to applications because frankly we just don't have many
0: yep well put totally agree and it's something that you'll notice if you've been to both ethereum and solana conferences which is that on ethereum the discourse is much more around academic work research, infrastructure, and and scaling solutions. But on Solana, you have a much smaller percentage of, of this course dedicated to that. And the majority of this course is on consumer payments, stable coins, DeFi, or maybe not DeFi, but just things that consumers would benefit from. It's much more focused on the user. And that's what we need, honestly. And, and the, I mean, it's not that Ethereum doesn't want to do it. It's just they can't really, right? Like, how are you going to support something like a drip on an L2? You cannot do it, especially on the L1. And that goes back to what I said about urgency, which is that, and one of the reasons I picked Solana was like, okay, what, what is the fundamental problem in crypto right now? Well, one of them is that there's not really any applications with, with great PMF, I would say. I think stablecoins are an exception, but stablecoins work on all chains. It's not specific to any chain. And, okay, how do we fix that? Well, we make it as, as easy as possible to build fast, cheap, scalable applications. And where can you do that? Well, right now, I would say the best answer is Solana. And so if you care, like we're not selling cheap block space or, or high TPS or low fees, Right. We don't we don't sell that. We, we what we sell is products and and user better user experiences that you can you can enable to actually build your business on top of this new internet layer that is crypto, and and that messaging needs to be much more clear, right? When when I talk to developers and I interview a ton of them for Helios, people think of dog coins or like Bitcoin when they think about crypto, but what they And that's just a tragedy. Uh, Not that they think of Bitcoin, that they think of dog coins. Because what what should be messaged to them is like, hey, look, you can write code that can transfer money at the speed of light, permissionlessly for free, and compose with millions of developers around the world, and have your code running perpetually on the state machine that will be maintained by this global community. And governments can't stop it. Nobody can stop it. And it's a complete blank canvas that... You can you can build so many cool things on top of, and that's just not how they think of it. And and so once we get that messaging right, which I believe Salon has the best shot at, then I'll be then I'll stop ranting.
1: Yeah, it's maybe not the best analogy, but I think about it. Not everyone has to see crypto though as something that's like a breakthrough technology for it to work, um, or they don't have to like it. Um, enough people have to, and I I think like TikTok for example, like it adds value to people, right? But a lot of people hate it like the U.S. government probably hates TikTok. Like they've talked about banning it because it's also like China's behind this. They're influencing our 18 year olds. They're making us look like idiots, right? And they could be saying the same thing about crypto, but instead of China being behind it, it's like, oh, there's this decentralized network behind it, right? Which honestly sounds a little bit better probably um, to the U.S. government, but like not everyone has to appreciate it. And this could be something like trip. Not everyone has to like trip, but like there's certain people that will. Um, and I think a big part of crypto as well is just the community. Like you have the tech piece, which you kind of have to have, but you also need that community piece and like let's be real the only reason crypto still exists these last 2 years is because the community is actually fun to be part of like it's a new sector that you're learning things mm-hmm. without that like everyone would have left like there's a lot of smart people here but if like if you were alone people would have left and I, and I think that's the same thing in some ways with like TikTok and some social apps you stay because of the conversations it brings up with your friends in the community like whether that's sharing a video around whether that's like a group chat like the community piece of crypto is really big and i think that will bring in at least 50 percent of the new users into the space and then you'll have the other 50 percent that are like here for the tech here for the like never not everyone's going to resonate with like send money at the speed of light right but someone will get tempted in because Other people are, whether it's Filmo, it's the community, they wanna be part of it. Like crypto is pretty cool that we even have in-person events that then like bring people in, that then introduce people to technology. And I I don't know what's gonna be the breakthrough app. I I love when we talk about like start focusing on apps and it's like, well, if it's so easy, why don't we just build it ourselves, right? But I like your point. It's not about like, we know what that app should be. It's that you need to provide the infrastructure there, which is Solana, for example, where it gives people the freedom to build it if they do have an idea. And that I think is like the end goal. It's like, we have no idea what this is going to be, but at least you have the tools today to build something and it creates a chance for that to actually happen.
0: Yeah. And that's partly why Solana has so many hackathons, both from Solana Foundation, but also Lamport DAO organizes some community hackathons as well is because you, you can't deterministically generate applications that people want. What you can do is try to maximize the probability of that by increasing the number of at swings that you get at, at, at a pitch. Right. And so if we, it's a numbers game and I think that's important to focus on, but to your point, correct. I think I personally, my game is more technical just because of my background and what interests me. But the cultural aspect is certainly, and I saw this at breakpoint, a strong force, and it's it, it's a weird one because there's so many different people, and
1: mm-hmm.
0: especially because Solana was right after the day uh, of the network state conference, and you know the the types at that conference are very diverse in what they want to achieve, right? You have people wanting to start new countries, which anytime you have people want to start new countries, you know they're going to have different belief systems and strong belief systems than yep. maybe what you're used to seeing, and so the cultural aspect is certainly very cool, and. It is underrated. It's much more elusive, but and and, you know, you can see this with NFTs, right? NFTs were kind of the big cultural movement and I hope they keep evolving and something that technical people overlook the cultural aspect and the social aspect. But, but I think there's a lot that there's a lot to be learned there and and to apply to how you approach crypto in general right like you have to be in tune with the community in in a sense which is good and bad but it's interesting at the ultimately
1: um i'm curious what you think about the recent token announcements and also rumors about what's going to happen on solana so you had jupiter announce their token jupiter is an aggregator um if you haven't used it i've been playing around with it recently it's so smooth it's incredible like like making the trades is so easy, but also even to go. And if you have soul and you want to like stake soul through Gito, like the integrations and everything is insane how simple it is. Um, but they announced a token. Um, you also had Pith, which is Pith's token like native to Solana because Pith is really an SVM app chain. So I don't know like where it launches. Do you have any idea on that?
0: I don't know. Um yeah, it was I'll find out, but I didn't <laughs> I didn't look that deep into it.
1: But everybody's had points programs. There's Jito, Drift, all these different protocols, margin fire hitting like all times all time highs. And this is after the points program, which is more or less kind of feels like it's hinting at a token. How important do you think that is for the ecosystem? And like do you think that's something that Solana needs right now? Just, yeah, how do you how do you think about the token launches?
0: Well, Solana obviously doesn't have a great many tokens right now, and that's maybe the biggest factor into why the TVL is low. So teams launching tokens will certainly help in public perception, whatever use that is, and it's non-trivial. But I think people should certainly, I mean, tokens are one of the core tenets of crypto, right? At the end of the day, it's, it's kind of deepened all the way down. Right, uh, A blockchain is really a decentralized physical infrastructure network where you incentivize people with a token to participate in it and and, and achieve for certain KPIs, as Tolly would say. And it, it's kind of the incentive mechanism or the carrot that drives most things. And so if these companies can figure out a way to launch these tokens such that it drives some of these KPIs and actually helps their business in the community, then that's going to be a huge, huge boost to the ecosystem, right? And these teams are smart and they've been around for a while, right? These guys were pretty much all around before FTX and they survived. They survived a nuclear meltdown and they've been kind of thinking, okay, what's the next move? How do we recover from this? And so I think many people are, as I like to say, or well, not, as I like to say, as as Wayne Gretzky likes to say, but and maybe the <laughs> inverse way, part. yeah. That I think a lot of people outside the ecosystem are like looking at where the puck is instead of where the puck is going. But and and somebody else said this on Twitter that I stole. I forget who it was, but but I did steal this, and it was something like. The Solana having low TBL right now. You can look at it as a completely bearish thing, but I think the much more sensible thing is like wait a minute, there's actually a lot of upside coming still. Should we explore and see what's going on here? And I think that's what's going to happen. And I think maybe within a few months, people are going to be like, ah, shit. Like, I missed it uh, and whatnot. Um, That's what I think. Obviously, tokens are hard and it could also go the other way where it's like the tokens didn't really work. I haven't really seen that many tokens work in crypto in general. Bonk is a good example on Solana of a token that actually was pretty good i would say i think it it was pretty community run it gave random developers funds they needed to build businesses that i think that gets overlooked a lot but that actually happened a lot of developers received this airdrop for no reason other than the fact that they were just building on solana and it helped them build stuff and so going back to maybe solana defi solana is structurally a better chain for finance than ethereum That's just kind of a fact because you don't have fragmentation and you can actually enable things like order books and the missing piece has been the tokens, right? The TVL. And if even one of those tokens succeed like a Jupiter and and people come over to test it out because also a lot of people played around with Jupiter during the early days of Solana just to see what it's like. And now those people maybe that have left come back to Solana for the airdrop that could be the start of an interesting flywheel that Definitely. people haven't really thought of and so you know we'll we'll see what happens but fundamentally of course the token still needs to make sense for the business and 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 actually contribute meaningfully to to what's happening instead of um you know just getting money from other people and these projects have been around for a long time so you know they won't do that so I do think it's going to be very, very encouraging and, and positive. And you know, I, I talk to some of these teams, and I'll, I'll we'll, you know, I think they have some very good ideas. And yeah, I'm, I'm actually very excited. I obviously I'm not too. Uh, I don't talk about tokens too much on on crypto Twitter, just because, you know, yeah, it's not uh, worth it. <laughs> yeah. But but I think it could be very, very interesting yeah i don't want to over talk
1: book but i do think it's pretty cool too that you know cctp which is like circles and uscc's native bridge essentially mm-hmm. where you don't have to worry about like bridge hacks they're either they already have or they're about to integrate with cctp on Jupiter. so essentially what's really cool if you just went to Jupiter and you had uscc on ethereum or on an l2 that had cctp or even in the cosmos ecosystem because now they have cctp as well you can just like click a button and USDC will automatically be bridged and native to solana and i think those like little things are huge because used to you know bridging from ethereum to solana was a pain in the ass and scary right like your funds would disappear for a long time let's be real most people use usdc and so if people are over in different ecosystems it's now super easy to come over to solana i think that's gonna be a big deal um it's a little early for this but i do think it's interesting to point out that Another thing that, that Jupiter announced at Breakpoint was that they launched a Perps product. It's a Perps product. And also they have a stable coin that they're going to have, which is like backed by um, levered stake soul. But you see Jupiter starting to do horizontal integration and their Perps product, at least for the last two days, has actually had the most volume out of any Perps product on Solana. Drift has been shooting up in volume as well. But it is interesting to see right now, and this will be the case for a while, all the DeFi projects on Solana are very friendly. But I do think you're going to see some horizontal integration, and you'll see that competition pick up just a little bit over time, as like as more users come into the space.
0: Yeah, I agree, and you're certainly seeing some of that competition right now. Uh, <laughs> it's it's there's a lot of competition. It's it's, and that's obviously good for the consumers. Um, I am a founder, so the way I think about competition is maybe a bit different than how most users would think about it, but. You can see a lot of competition picking up and It's great for
1: users and innovation, right?
0: Yeah. And it's interesting to see, you know, maybe you you start vertically and then you kind of start going horizontally afterwards. It's like a T-shape, right? Mm -hmm. And it is interesting that because that strategy is something that works very well in Web2 and traditional startups and businesses. And so now seeing that more on Solana where you you can do that very reasonably because of kind of lower friction. I think that could indirectly enable better businesses to be built on top. And ultimately, which all circles back to our, to the core thing that I was talking about, get more users on chain and solve their problems, right? If I can now bridge trustlessly in, in a sense, I mean, I'm trusting circle, but it, from other chains to Solana with just that thing, That makes my life much easier, right? I think somebody, like, the other day tweeted something, like, wild. Something like, how can I get exposure to Solana without trying it? And I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Bro, just click the button. Yeah, (laughs) it's pretty easy. Yeah.
1: Um, Well, I think we're in the deep end at this point. I think the last thing that I'd finish with that, maybe this has been the case, but Solana's, like, officially back in the big three. Um, there's Bitcoin, Ethereum, Solana, like they're on the podium now, um, which is interesting just because Sol is 10% of East market cap, right? So like on market cap, they're very different. And I'm probably in a bubble, but I'm curious, do you see it the same way?
0: So I would say the way I think about it is Bitcoin is kind of its own island. And there's a lot of people who who talk about Bitcoin and I like Bitcoin, but I, I do not like the people that... Dominate the discourse on Bitcoin. I think they're completely deviated from the original vision in a sense. Um, but I still, I still think it's a, it's a good asset, and, and I, I like Bitcoin. And then I think that's so that's one vertical. The other is Solana and Ethereum, kind of combined. And, and, and really at the root of that debate is integrated versus modular. And so that, and it's kind of the future of smart contracts. And so I think there's that vertical, which is very Ethereum and Solana. Focused. And then there's maybe the third one, which is I think still like very promising ecosystems that have a lot of potential that can do great things and I think will always be around. And so that's like things like Cosmos and and, and, and Monad now and, and Avalanche. Agreed. And so like those I think they have maybe what they need to do is maybe go for a specific niche, right? Yep. Instead of trying to be a generalized platform. I think Avalanche has a strong enterprise presence, and that certainly is Definitely. useful. I think Monad can do some great things with finance, and then Cosmos can do uh, can be the place where when apps get too big on the general platforms and they want to maybe uh, capture more of their fees, maybe and and they don't need global state, then they can go to Cosmos and 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 work there like a DYDX. And so I think those are the three pillars and how I think about it. And I think – so that, that's that's just how I see it. And, and, okay, will will that framework evolve over time such that maybe there's now a third competitor in, in the race between Ethereum and Solana? I think for that to happen, there would need to be an L1 or a community that has kind of had a religious apocalypse moment, right? Like the DAO hack for Ethereum and FTX for Solana such that you can reliably say, Hey, there's something meaningful here. And that's why they were able to survive these events. And for that to play out, I think you still need another market cycle. And that's probably going to take a few years. And so I think for the next while, it's going to be those three pillars.
1: I respect Bitcoin and glad it's there, but I think it's so boring. Like (laughs) I know it's, it's such a boomer play, which is great because that's where a lot of the money is today. Right. But like, none of my friends own gold and I don't think they ever want to own gold and they don't want to own digital gold. Like they just don't care. Now, like maybe people in other countries who are trying to fight inflation, like, well, maybe USDC is great for that, but I I could see where Bitcoin is, you know, not controlled by US entities. So that could be something that's great for that. Um, But for me, I'll pass. Um, Cosmos, I agree that like apps like DYDX, it's perfect for I don't know what other ecosystem they would go to necessarily. Maybe something like with the SVM and Eclipse, like you could do an app chain using Eclipse once that's actually like live and built out. But I see Cosmos as kind of like Reddit. It's maybe the hub is like Reddit itself. And then you have all these very mostly niche communities within it. Like that's what Adam is really for and Cosmos to me. It's like people that want ultimate sovereignty. They talk about forking all the time. Like honestly, those people are always a little bit different (laughs) in Cosmos. And I see them, that's like Reddit. That's like what Reddit is. And I see Avalanche is kind of like, the institutional and KYC subnet like chain. Um, I'm just trying to like, kind of give my high level you know, view of things and and they're leaning into it. I mean, I think it's fair to some extent. There might be institutions or businesses that don't want to build on Ethereum or Solana because for whatever reason, they can't have a random set of validators actually processing their transactions. But something like with a subnet, Maybe you get around that same with an app chain. You can kind of say, like, all of our validators have to be in the US or they have to be in China. Like, I could see a use case for that. Now, I think that's limited on the upside because that's not like going to be like the true potential of what crypto is, but that's generally how I see everything. But, um, anyways, Mara, mm-hmm. I think this was a fun episode. There's a we're going to do these more. I think there's plenty to talk about. We obviously talk about bank lists quite a bit in this one just because it's fun. We love those guys, but we'll continue to talk about like what's the biggest news going on in the market. Also, just what we find interesting. I really don't want this show to become a we talk about all the news in the space, like this happened with SBF again, or like, you know, this was some other announcement in Bitcoin land. Like, I just think there's too much of that. And I, I think like where we really add value is talking about what's related to Solana, high throughput chains and product. And so even when we do these roundups, that's what we're going to focus on and what we find interesting. So I hope the, the listeners enjoyed this.
0: Yeah. Uh, please let me know if I ranted too much. I probably won't. Be able to change much about that it's just i'm just a grumpy person but uh yeah appreciate everybody listening and, and and give us any feedback um uh on maybe next guests or topics you'd like us to cover
1: also if you made it this far hit subscribe hit subscribe on youtube hit on spotify mm-hmm. apple it doesn't matter um, leave a review too. That'd be huge. Uh, we'd love you for it. Also just shout out to everyone at breakpoint that either came up to me and Mert and, you know, said they really enjoyed the show. I thought that was really cool. doesn't happen to me a lot. Mert's kind of like the goddess Lana now, so <laughs> he's oh, getting it more him. and more.
0: <laughs> I'm
1: kidding. But um, anyways, Mert, uh, I'll see you next time. And yeah, thanks everyone for listening.
0: Yep. Thanks, everyone.
1: All right, I've got a little ending note here. First, thank you so much for listening to the full episode. If you really liked it, hit subscribe. But secondly, make sure you sign up for DAS. This is BlockWorks' biggest institutional conference happening in London in March. I've included a link in the show notes and also a discount code. You get 20% off. Make sure to use Lightspeed20 when you sign up. All right, I'll see you there and I'll see you next time on Lightspeed.